focus with me. We are in Philippians, Paul and Timothy. They're writing to us. First, uh, first Philippians. We only have one Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Uh, Paul and Timothy, they say, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? It's been a good year, but we can focus on one thing. We can forget all the stuff that's happened this year. We can look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So focus. In this study of Philippians, the Holy Spirit will make clear to us what we need to give our attention and energy to and what we need to intentionally set aside and not give our attention and energy to. It's called intentional... I've lost the word. It's gone. It doesn't matter. Here we go. Intentional neglect, I think is what I was looking for. doesn't matter. Here we go. Title. You have your bulletin because you guys were looking at the financial statement on the bulletin. If you turn it over, you have the infectious good news of Jesus. That's where we're starting. Hopefully you have your Bible with you as well. Open your Bible. Turn on your Bible. Get next to somebody who has a Bible for all you single people. It's an opportunity. Hey, I don't have my Bible this morning. Can I borrow yours? I think that's hysterical. All right, number one, the guards got it. I was, I was quite pleased with my titles this week or with my points. Uh, here we go, the guards got it. Philippians chapter one, we started several weeks ago. We're gonna continue on in Philippians chapter one, verse 12. Paul says, and I want you to know, he's writing to these churches at, at Philippi, and this is what he wants them to know. This is what is burning on his heart. This is what is important. This is what he wants to communicate to his fellow brothers and sisters. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that every Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So Paul, he has been imprisoned because he preached the forgiveness of sin through faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ the man that the Jews had crucified. You with me so far? He was in trouble for preaching a message that was not, uh, not consistent with what the Jews believed and wanted preached. And so the Jews are attempting to, to shut Paul up. They're trying to get rid of him. They're trying to stop the spread of this message about salvation through Jesus Christ. The irony of the situation, though, is not lost on Paul. In their attempt, in the Jews' attempt to shut Paul up and stop the spread of this message about Jesus, they send Paul from Jerusalem or from where Israel would be, they send him across the Mediterranean Sea over to Rome to be imprisoned. They send him away, send him to Rome, send him to Italy. There, the emperor who demands worship of himself and would look down on the worship of some carpenter from Galilee, put Paul in prison and surrounded him with his own palace guard, the imperial guard. Following the story? It's intense. The objective is to stop this infectious spirit 
spread of Paul's message of forgiveness, grace, hope, and eternal life. So they put him in prison, put a guard around him. So what does Paul do? Well, he's in a new town, a new country. He has a whole new room, a whole new crowd. So he preaches the same message. He shares his faith in Jesus Christ. Paul tells the palace guard the good news of Jesus. In fact, he says everyone who comes into or comes uh, within close proximity of Paul's prison gets to hear that Paul has committed his life to serve and to tell others about how Jesus, the Son of God, died for the forgiveness of his sins. And by trusting in Jesus, their sins can be forgiven as well, and they can have eternal life through the Son of God. He says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Paul is writing back to his faith-filled fellow believers in Philippi. It's a joke indicator. Ding. Come on, that's funny. I worked on that for like a day. Paul is writing back to his faith-filled followers, fellow believers in Philippi. I can't do it twice. The pressing issue, this is what he wants them to know. Imagine if you were in prison, if you're in jail, and you're writing back to your friends. What's the important thing you want them to know? I mean, most of us probably would say, Mom, I'm doing okay. Right? Now, Paul, he writes to them, and this is the pressing issue. This is what he is excited about, letting them know. He wants them to know that his imprisonment has only served to increase the spread of the gospel. He does not write and complain. He doesn't write and talk about how bad life is and, oh, this is so hard to serve Jesus. Uh, no! He's writing to them, basically saying, hey, church, go ahead and say a big hallelujah on my behalf because the Jews sent me here to try to shut me up. But it has only given me greater opportunity to lift the name of Jesus up. These Romans, they need to hear the message of Jesus Christ as well. They need to hear about the Messiah. This emperor's palace guard, they need to hear about the king of kings. Everyone here knows that I am in chains because of Christ. I'm telling you, the guards got it. And watch what happens next. Number two, the believers broadcasted it. It was a week of alliterations. Verse 14, he says, And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. I just want you to get your brain around that. So remember, Paul is in prison. He's riding home not to complain and tell them, oh, it's cold, or I don't like this, or this is not fair. Uh, he's writing, and he said, and because of my imprisonment, for the glory of God, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So do you see what has happened here? Paul gets imprisoned. 
Maybe it's because uh, Paul is not able to publicly preach anymore. Maybe it is because the believers overhear Paul fearlessly and shamelessly sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the emperor's most dangerous men, the palace guard. If Paul can tell others about Jesus from prison, then surely I can tell about Jesus outside of prison. The believers all of a sudden got confident and they got bold. Whatever the reason is, the other believers, they gained confidence. They began to boldly share their faith in Jesus. They were encouraged by Paul being in prison, not discouraged. Does that sound counterintuitive to you? So the man who has championed Christianity went to prison, and he's excited about it. And the other followers of Christ are excited about it because good things are happening. Are you following me? I like the way. You're either really thinking hard about what I'm preaching, or you're thinking hard about something totally different. Some of you are thinking, we've had turkey and dressing for three days wonder what they're serving at the jail today. I bet, bet they're having pizza or something delicious. I need a break. Yeah, right? So here, can I tell you something that is, uh, I, I'm gonna, I, I try to avoid giving my opinion, but I'm going to tell you simply what my perspective of this, this nuance of Christianity is right now. Uh, so this part is for free. You didn't pay for it, so it, uh, it's, it's, worth, it's worth what you pay for, right? It appears to me that as as we have more Christian books, more Christian TV, more Christian radio, more Christian music, more Christian t-shirts, I threw that in there to be kind of funny, but the more we have all this Christian media, the less individual believers feel the responsibility to share their faith. Because I've heard people say, well, I went to the mall, but I wore my John 3.16 t-shirt. I really told people about Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, kind of. Not really, though. I mean, imagine if the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he comes back and all he does is wear a t-shirt that says, I'm the Messiah, believe in me, but he doesn't talk to anybody. Not a good plan. Generally speaking, there is a feeling of it's not my responsibility to share Jesus with others because we have, we have a radio broadcast. We have all this Christian media. So they're taking care of broadcasting the message of Jesus Christ so they can handle it. And besides, I put myself at risk by telling other people about Jesus. Are you with me? I like the way you're looking at me this morning. Are you serious, Brent? Studies overwhelmingly show that people come to church and meet Jesus and grow in their faith because some person with faith in Jesus shared their faith and invited them to come to church. Overwhelmingly. 90% of people who come to faith in Jesus come because someone invited them to meet Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah. Don't misunderstand me. 
I do think that all those other things contribute to someone coming to faith in Jesus. We have a radio broadcast because it gets the gospel of Jesus Christ out into the community. They hear it. I think of it kind of as a little pre-seasoning. They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then my prayer is... They'll drive by and see Desert Heights Church, and whenever they get to work, you're going to say, yeah, I go to church. I go to Desert Heights Church. We celebrate Jesus and God's Word every Sunday. And they say, oh, I heard your church on the radio. I drove past your church. Tell me about your church. Tell me about this man named Jesus. They want to hear it from a person, not from a radio station. Does it happen? Yes, but generally speaking, 90% of the time, people come to Jesus because someone with faith shared their faith. It's still on us to share our faith. Professional preachers will never reach the world. Amen, Brent! See, did you notice the longer I wait, the more... Weird you guys got. (laughs) Something wrong with him? (laughs) Professional preachers will never reach the world. Every believer reaching their neighbor is our best chance of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. The church is the most powerful when the believers are broadcasting the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Y'all are being careful because I'm going to give you a homework assignment, huh? Like, oh man, he's going to tell us we have to go share our faith with somebody. Yes, that's what the Word of God is telling you, is that we should broadcast what we believe. Number three, the preachers preached it. I don't know why, once upon a time, I think it was my son, I I don't know who said it, my son picked it up and he repeated it, so every once in a while whenever something's happening at the church, I mean at the house, and uh, somebody's getting really preachy, my son, he doesn't say it as often anymore, he used to, he's not at home hardly ever anymore, but anyway, whenever he was home, he would say, preach it preacher, (laughs) and so whenever I'm going through this, I'm kind of laughing at it because it's like, the preachers preached it. So we have the believers broadcast it, and now my son is, preach it, preacher. Uh, verse 15, it says, it's true. This is going to kind of take a windy road, so follow closely. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. They don't even have their hearts in the right spot. They're just preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. Now, Paul is identifying two groups of preachers. Some are preaching in spite of Paul, and some are preaching because they genuinely care about Paul and they care about the good news. Uh, For some, some are preaching for selfish reasons, and for others, they are preaching for selfless reasons. Verse 16, they preach because they love me. Paul's basically saying, I got put in prison, they care about me, they care about the gospel, so they go out and they preach. Previously they weren't preaching, but they care about Paul, so now they're just out there preaching. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Verse 17, those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, 
intending to make my chains more painful to me. So he's saying, you have these guys that are preaching because they love me. If these other guys that are preaching because they just want to be a pain in my neck. <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? Take it easy. It seems like there's a little bit of competition here. Some of these preachers are only trying to make a name for themselves by preaching about the good news of Jesus Christ. And with Paul in prison, there's this opportunity to get ahead of Paul because Paul has created a, some sense of notoriety by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so these other guys are like, hey, Paul became famous by preaching. We can become famous by preaching. And Paul's in prison, so he, we, we have the leg up on him, right? So they're running to win the prize of notoriety. There is this petty competitive tension among the preachers. Paul has been successful in spreading the good news and also starting churches all over the map. These other preachers, they feel the need to compete instead of work alongside to work with Paul. It's really a sad picture, um, but we all know that preachers to this day still have this tendency for petty competitiveness, right? Thank you for not agreeing with me. I appreciate it. Oh, we do. It's, in, it's just built into men to be competitive and to compare. And so you get two or three preachers together and somebody will be like, so my church running a hundred. First, first liar doesn't have a chance, Right? Second guy, mine's running 125. No, it's not. Not if you count all the people and the dogs and the cats and the cars in the parking lot. You don't have 125. But that's just how we are. Are we going to get past it? No, we're not. Pastors are not going to get over being competitive. And Paul does not even go after the guys for being competitive. Watch what he does. The next four words are pivotal in this text. Are you understanding the picture that I just painted? We have a group of pastors that are like, we love Paul, we love Jesus, we love the gospel, we're going to preach. And Paul says, good job. And then Paul says, we have a group of pastors that are preachers that are, are selfish, they are punks. This is what he says. But that doesn't matter. <gasps> Stay to your notes, Brent. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ. Remember, Christ is a throwback word to the Old Testament for Messiah. Okay? So Christ. The message about the Old Testament's Messiah, the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament messianic prophecies that God's going to send His Son and He's going to transform His relationship with mankind. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I, what does Paul do? Complain. No, that's not even what, what there's, there's no, no translation that says that Paul complains. He says, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Ignore the petty competition. Ignore the selfish and jealous uh, jealousy that goes on uh, to reference a, a, a really popular song. Let it go. 
There's a lot of things that believers need to let go of. The bigger issue at stake here is, did you hear me? The bigger issue that is at stake here, the reason that Paul is writing back to the believers at Philippi is he wants, to, he wants them to celebrate with him that the message of the Messiah is being proclaimed. I don't care who's proclaiming it. People are talking about Jesus Christ, and that's good. Come party with me. I'm not sure you're getting that. The good news does not need a perfect man to proclaim it in order for it to be true. Uh, guys, we tend to be the worst about, well, I was around that pastor. I saw him kick his toe on the altar, and he said a foul word. I'm not going back. He's not perfect. Dude, hang around with me for 30 seconds. You'll see I'm not perfect. Come listen to me preach. You'll see I'm not perfect. If you're waiting for a perfect man to bring you the gospel of Jesus, buddy, you are 2,000 years late. He came and he rose again. He's the one you put your faith in. Come on. If you're waiting for a perfect pastor, you will die and go to hell. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, in perfection for you to believe in him. And now I need a windshield wiper for my iPad. <laughs> I, it really makes me crazy when people are like, well, that pastor's not perfect. Of course he's not perfect. If he was a perfect pastor, he'd have a perfect congregation and you wouldn't be there. <laughs> it's not, not really time for a joke indicator, huh? Oh, golly, we measure each other by such strict standards, but dude, we don't measure ourselves, do we? Don't judge lest you be judged. That pastor, yeah, preach it, preacher. <laughs> that pastor, he just didn't do it like I would have done it. Oh, my goodness, get over yourself. Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully because this is, this is the, the core of this, these few verses. With the authority of the Holy Spirit himself, Paul is saying, or Paul is saying with the Holy of the... No, the Holy Spirit is saying, God himself is saying, Church, that doesn't matter. Way too often, we get high-centered on the details of the messenger. Just because you can find fault with the messenger does not make the message any less true. The message of salvation is eternally true. And pastors are going to mess it up all the time. And so are church people. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. The gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached. The gospel of Jesus Christ is being shared. And let's rejoice for it. Uh, from time to time, I, I know this is probably hard for some of you to believe, but from time to time, I receive a little criticism. Someone will come to me in brotherly love and they will... You know, it's not always in brotherly love. Sometimes it's in a foul letter, right? And, uh, but I, I, I've gotten, I'm going to brag, I, I'm pretty good at taking criticism, I think. Uh, one of the filters, that, a, a mental filter that I run criticism through is very simple. I don't know, you would think the first, the first filter would be, is this a, not a tither or not? That's not, the first, that's not the first filter. I listen to people. I really do. Uh, and here's why. Uh, the first filter is very simple. You can use this. You can, you can borrow this. 
I won't give it to you, but you can borrow this idea, okay? Is there any truth in this criticism? Because sometimes people come to me, and quite frankly, they're morons. Uh, but I'm still going to listen to them <laughs> because they might say something that is true. Sometimes people, see, I wrote in my notes, sometimes people are clueless. I, I, this is why I write my notes, so I don't say things like calling people morons. I've got to get better at reading my notes. Sometimes people are clueless to just about everything, and, and their motives may be really bad, but they can still speak the truth. Have you ever been in that position? Someone comes and they criticize you and you're like, well, they had a bad attitude when they told me, so I'm not listening to a thing they said. Oh, that's real mature. Way to go. No, no, no. We listen to what they say and we filter it. Is anything that they said to me, no matter how repulsive I think they are, did they speak something that is truth that I need to hear? I like the way you're looking at me this morning. Man, <sighs> making me uncomfortable. So I listen to every critic carefully, no matter what I think of them personally, and no matter how much nonsense they spew, if they say something to me that is true, I don't want to miss it, because truth is always truth, no matter the messenger. That's pretty good. The good news, watch this, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ, it's always the good news that brings eternal life, no matter the messenger. No matter the messenger. So instead of bickering about who is the most successful or eloquent, you remember in 1 Corinthians they had that argument and Paul just, man, takes a whip to them. Like, well, some people like Apollos. He's a better preacher. And then somebody else said, well, I like Paul because he's the apostle and he's running the church now and he's just, oh, la, la. and then some really super spiritual person, you remember this? They're like, I prefer Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Paul writes to them and he says, shut up! You've missed the whole point! Follow Jesus, not men! Paul again, he says, get over your silly selves with critiquing. Stick to your notes, Brent. <laughs> so instead of yelling about people that are critical uh, or have preached right or wrong, let's proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that Paul is imploring us to do, is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, both as believers and as preachers. And second is to celebrate Rejoice, celebrate all the souls that have been redeemed along with all of heaven who is celebrating. Well, I just can't celebrate because that preacher wore a plaid shirt that made my eyes go crazy. I don't care how many people got saved this morning. I was going nuts. <laughs> really? Really? If it doesn't matter, then let's keep on proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and stop all of the bickering over peripheral, peripheral issues. Say that ten times fast. Paul is rejoicing here because Christ was proclaimed. Not because it was preached perfect. Not because all of the preachers were his friends. Very simply, Paul is rejoicing because the gospel was preached. So Paul rejoices. 
Paul, people, pardon me, people are increasingly having the opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul rejoices. Hey, it doesn't matter how it's being preached. People are hearing it. They have an opportunity to believe in Christ Jesus, to have faith in the Lord Jesus. There is nothing to complain about here. He writes back to the people at Philippi and he says, hey, the gospel is being preached. Let's all rejoice. Paul's attitude is so fitting for this week. I appreciate Josh uh, keeping us tied to this week of thanksgiving whenever he read a scripture at the first of service. Paul here, he's in prison, but he doesn't complain. Other preachers are out to kind of one-up him, but he doesn't care. Paul is just being grateful. He's being thankful, rejoicing that the good news of Jesus is being shared with people who need to hear it. I kind of think that Paul's gratitude, Paul's joy, goes a long way toward making the good news infectious. Did you hear what I said? I think that Paul's gratitude... His joy in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ is part of what makes the good news infectious. Is it a great message? Absolutely. But you know what? It comes across much better whenever the preacher will smile and seem to enjoy his trip to heaven. Have We've heard a sermon or maybe know a, a believer who likes to tell people about Jesus, but they do it with a scowl on their face and condemnation and judgment, and you're going to hell. Oh, well, I really want to go where you're going. <laughs> Not so much. No. Paul says, rejoice. We're going to heaven. The message of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. We have every reason in the world to be super happy to be super thankful for what God has done in our lives. The guards heard the good news from a man filled with joy because of Jesus. The believers were filled with courage. Not because Paul was in prison, but because Paul is filled with courage. The other preachers, they preached because it's the most important, most life-transforming message on the face of the planet. So, Instead of defending Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, uh, share your faith. We get drug into the most ridiculous arguments. Well, I don't know if he meant Happy Holiday or Merry Christmas. Is he pushing his faith on me? No. If I'm going to push my faith on you, sweetheart, you're going to know it. Because I'm going to use words like Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for your sorry, sinful punk. (laughs) But the reason we rejoice is because He forgives us of our sins and we're headed to heaven. So, church is a party, man. We have a. Do you understand? So, if I say happy holidays or Merry Christmas or hey, hug Santa, I mean nothing by it, okay? Don't get drug into those things. Share your faith. You know I'm kidding, right, about, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm more, okay, I'm not. Instead of griping about the commercialization of Christmas, because I always enjoy this, this always comes up this time of year, it's like, oh, Good Friday, it's where we all just go and spend our money and we forget that the day before we were thanking Jesus about salvation. No, you weren't, you were stuffing your face full of turkey. 
Uh, we forgot about Jesus last Sunday about 12 o'clock. It is commercialized. You know why? Because when you celebrate the birthday of your kids, you go buy a cake, you go buy presents, you go buy balloons, you spend some money, it's a celebration. We celebrate Jesus, we spend some money. We buy gifts for everybody. Why? Because we were given the greatest gift ever given, and that's how we commemorate it. That's fine, go spend all your money. I don't care. Share your faith. Why do you give gifts? Because I was given a great gift. As opposed to, why do you give gifts? I don't give gifts because it costs money. Well, anyway, hurry up, Brent. This is why I write notes. I'm in a mood this morning. (laughs) I should have stopped at three cups of coffee, and I went ahead and had five. So instead of griping about commercialization of Christmas, instead of defending Merry Christmas or the Happy Holidays, which I don't remember which one is politically correct, instead of pouting in your prison of self-pity, Rejoice. Rejoice that the gospel is being proclaimed. I get very excited whenever I see uh, what is happening across the earth with the proclamation of Jesus Christ. You know, we have partnered with Faith Comes by Hearing in Albuquerque, who uh, they distribute the proclaimers. Uh, it's a little box, it's solar powered and it's crank powered. It has the New Testament on it. And, and those are being translated into people's languages all over the world. And then they're being uh, given out to these villages and they give them to a village and they, they, the churches are, are just exploding, uh, not because a pastor goes, but because they have the word of God. So the word of God is being spread. Listen to me. There has never been a time, including the time of Paul, because for Paul, the whole world was, uh, I don't know, like a, a, maybe a 200-mile radius, small part of the world. The whole world knows the message of Jesus Christ. For Paul, that's smaller than New Mexico, smaller than Texas, actually. For us, the whole world has access to the Word of God like it has never had it before. My point is, if we're going to celebrate, if we're going to rejoice because God's Word is being proclaimed, we have more reason to rejoice than Paul did. He was in prison and he wrote back, guys, I'm just elated because the gospel is being spread. Rejoice with me. There's not enough of me to rejoice to God enough. I need a whole bunch of people to help me celebrate how good God is. And his understanding of the spread of the gospel was minuscule compared to our understanding of the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ to 7 billion people all over this little planet. Oh, we have a reason to rejoice. Let's bow our heads together and pray before we have communion. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that we... And we get to live in the joy of your salvation. That not only do we rejoice today, but Paul says, I'm going to continue to rejoice. Nothing's going to take our joy away from us. We have Jesus in our hearts. Your eternal life has begun in us. We are forgiven of our sins. We look forward to eternity with our Father, with our Lord Jesus, our Savior, forever and ever. Father, we have so many reasons to glorify the name of Jesus, to celebrate your goodness. Father, we are thankful. Father, I thank you for this church body. Lord, I pray today that you would make every single one of us proficient in sharing our faith, not because we learned a formula, but because we have a relationship with you, a relationship that we're excited about and that we're excited to share with other people. Father, I pray that um, 
over the next six weeks through this, this holiday season, Lord, I know that we have all of these great opportunities to share our faith. I ask that you would make us bold, that you would give us confidence like you did, like you did in this text, this group of believers in this text. Father, I pray that you would make us bold, give us confidence to share our faith with other people like we never have before. Father, that we would share our faith so that, we'd, that you would be glorified and we would have every reason to rejoice in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we love you. Be glorified in our church. Be glorified in all of the believers across Farmington and San Juan County this morning. Help us to be a light, like a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Father, let us shine your light bright so that the world will ask. They'll ask why we have faith. Why do we have joy? Why do we have hope? Lord, make us effective in your harvest field. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Bless you guys.